On this episode of Razor Week, we talk about UHD and Atmos optimized Blu-rays. Look ahead to the technologies that's going to impact home dealers in 2017 and talk about the push to voice control. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 40, recorded Monday, November 7th, 2016. Real World Automation. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Middle Atlantic Products. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. Today, I'm joined by John Siaka. You probably know him. He's a fairly prolific writer, uh, contributing editor for Residential Systems. How are you, John? Doing good, thank you. I've never had you on one of my podcasts before. I feel almost, like, very special. We're right there together, Matt. I know. It's touching. <laughs> then we have... No, right there together. It's touching. Let's, just, let's stop <laughs> just this. Leave it, leave it at that. Steven, you never make them touch. That's the rule. You never make them touch. <laughs> and there goes our rating. Next, we have the gentleman that's talking right there, Steven Brunner. He's the president of Pro Audio Georgia and one of my good friends. How are you today? I'm outstanding, sir. I'm having a great day. It's beautiful here in Georgia. We could use a little rainfall, but uh, did I pronounce Georgia correctly? You got Georgia right. I got it right. All right, that's yes. about right. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have the one, the only Julie Jacobson. She's a founding editor of CE Pro. How are you, ma'am? Oh no, Mr. Bill. Is that, are you seeing my Mr. Bill icon there? I see it. I got it. Uh, very well. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. Hey, thank you for being here. I kind of have like the go-to team uh, with you and with you and John, and then there's Stephen. But let's wow. uh, nice. Let's uh, let's jump right in. John, you uh, recently wrote a review on Star Trek and the UHD Atmos optimized Blu-ray. This came out what uh, about a month ago? I think. No, it was um, like a week ago. Was it a week ago? Yeah, I Sorry. think it was November first. Actually, it came it out. Feels like a month ago. It's been a long. It's been a long week. Um, your your review is quite glowing. the The question I had was one: give us just a real short overview of your impressions on this. Summarize it for me, um, and then I got a, a question for you on it. Well, I mean, just about every. Ultra HD disc that I've seen so far looks terrific. Uh, they have different attributes that make them shine or not. And lots of detail in the Star Trek disc. Um, if I had any complaint about it, I think I would say that the high dynamic range was a little bit flatter compared to some of the other um, UHD movies that I've seen. Um, there wasn't quite as much pop, um, but colors were terrific and detail was terrific. You could really see all the, you know, fine stitching and things in the uniforms and the little, um, buttons and things on screens in the background. Um, my review was mainly focused on the audio portion, um, trying to, you know, kind of pick out the five best audio demos that if you were going to use that disc as a showroom demo, um, what would be five really great scenes you could tune to? Well, and as you, you know, commented on that, 
does this a does this disc in general but does atmos in general does it show in your opinion better in those subtle moments versus the you know fast flying action scenes is it is it the subtle moments when you realize just how impressive atmos is i it, it definitely can be but that's not really always the best demo um you know when you have to explain somebody this is what you want to listen to or for that's generally not as, as great of a demo is I'm just going to put this on, have you experience it. But when you've lived with it for a while, it can be those subtle things that turn your room into a whole other listening space that Atmos just does so well. And, you know, like where you'll go from one scene in a really close interior space and you can tell that the ceiling is low and things are close around you and you hear mechanical noises to the next scene you're outside and you can just tell you're in a much bigger space and there's far off ambience of like, you know, wind blowing or um, birds chirping or whatever. The Atmos does that really well, but that doesn't necessarily make for a great wowie demo. Um, but when you're watching it day in and day out, it, that's definitely one of the things that Atmos does to help immerse you in the experience. Do we, Stephen, you know, John is obviously mentioning demos and stuff like that. Are these the type of experiences that customers need to have that, that we as integrators need to provide to get people to buy into Atmos? Absolutely. Um, I, every single review that John has written on a disc, I've read it. I've taken notes off of it. I've said, okay, these are parts where I should demo this technology. Uh, without showing your clients what they're paying for, you come off as just a salesman. Um, you know, what we're selling is an experience. It's an immersive experience. And if you just say, well, we're going to put these speakers in the ceiling, then the client goes, well, my 5.1 sounds great. Why do I need speakers in the ceiling? Now you're in a whole different discussion. So like John said, you bring them in, you show them, hey, this is the experience that you're looking for. This is, this is how you want to feel when you watch a movie. It's no different than lighting control. You know, you if you want it to be a true theater and you can't dim the lights, then you're, you're kind of out of luck. So when we do demos for clients, it is extremely important to sell that experience, to, to have them come in, say, okay, this is surround sound. Now this is surround with Atmos. Um, John says you shouldn't have to tell them what to listen for. Uh, Atmos is one of the few technologies that we have where you actually don't have to point it out to the client. They'll tell you, oh, wow, that sounds great. So, um, you know, that's, that's always a positive. Very good. Julie, is this something where we finally, we have enough source material to where we can properly demo, you know, 4K and Ultra HD and, and Atmos products, or are we still limited in what's available? Well, obviously we're limited to what's available, but um, if your question is, do we have enough source material and demo material to sell these object-oriented experiences, then heck yeah. I mean, you just heard from the two people that know far more than I do in terms of um, demoing and selling it. The, I guess the ultimate question is, will they, will customers be disappointed in the short term by a lack of content? Um, but there's enough good stuff out there to show it well. I would say, Matt, I mean, one of the things that, because I have an Atmos system in my house, and one of the things that I really notice is what an amazing job it does with non- Atmos encoded content, right? Um, putting stuff in the right place, putting it overhead, the sounds, the little sounds. We watched Star Wars The Force Awakens the other night and just really noticed a lot of those little sounds that just that puts up to the ceiling so smartly. And even TV shows, you know, little mechanical sounds and things, people walking up over. I mean, the uh, 
Dolby calls it an upmixer. The Atmos mm -hmm. upmixer does a really amazing job. So, I mean, everything is Atmos, improved by Atmos. And well, as far as... Sorry, I think that's an interesting point. I don't know that that's um, articulated well enough in the press. <laughs> well, get on that, Julie. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you kind of get together and make that happen. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know that anybody has written more about Atmos than I have, so I'm, I'm doing my part. But um, as far as content goes also, um, I think that, that they're saying we're going to have more than 100 UHD discs by the end of the year. So yeah, I heard that. There's a, a ton of content, and, and the first batch of titles was really awful, but um, studios are coming around <laughs> now with releasing some really good stuff, and almost every single week, I mean, new first-run stuff is coming out. It's the kind of stuff that you would actually want to own and want to see, and even if people, I mean, most of the titles have about a $5 premium, but the UHD title comes with the Blu-ray disc, it comes with the digital copy. So you can buy for the future and still be able to enjoy it now. So, you know, I'm always been a big physical media guy. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the disc is able to survive um, right up until Kaleidoscape gets every single content available on their download store. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, moving on to an article that comes to us from CE Pro and Jason Knott. He was at the CE Pro Summit that was in Atlanta this past week. And they had a panel with a bunch of integrators, as well as Dave Pedigo, who you may know as a guest from our show. Uh, he's also the VP of Emerging Tech. We have to plug him every time we mention his name. It's it's a rule. Um, but they they were talking about what technologies are going to be promising and 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 effective for smart home integration in the coming year. Now, they hit the, you know, kind of the mainstays of do it yourself, do it for me and network related things. But the kind of the big thing that hit was voice control and <laughs> and the, uh, you know, how it's currently not really designed for a massive home, but it is designed for those smaller homes and they're working on the interfaces for that. Stephen, before the show, we kind of kind of jumped into this ahead of time. What is this one? Do you see what they're talking about? Is it is it valid for you? Are the are the the items that they're discussing are they are they something that you see um, in your business? But two, how much is voice control going to take over all of these technologies? Well, uh, like I said before the show, we're starting to sell the voice control to every single client. The reason why is, is that, you know, a proper control system laid out great voice control changes the game completely. Now, instead of coming in and saying, um, picking up a remote control just to turn on the TV, you know, a lot of people come in and they, they just want some background noise while they get dinner ready or the kids get their homework started. Um, you know, so you can come in and say, you know, Alexa, turn my TV on. And as an as your integrator, we can program that to turn the TV on, set it to your favorite channel, whether that be ESPN, TLC, Nightly News, whatever you want to hear. So basically, you are taking the technology that your client is paging for and once again doing your job. Our job is to take all this technology and increase the experience that our clients have. Um, you know, we're, we are... We're, we're out here to, to make the technology work for our clients, not against our clients. So we're selling it on every project. 
uh, we're going back to projects we've done in the last year, last year and a half. We are, I'm actually giving Alexas to all of my clients this year that don't already have one for Christmas. Um, we are actually really taking a hold because this is the next step. And what you don't want to do is you don't want your client to walk into somebody else's house and somebody else to go, Hey, you know, Bob, look what I can do. And then Bob calls you up and goes, why can't I do that with my system? Do I need to call this other guy? And so we are, we're on that cutting edge. I love it. Alexa integration is incredible. Uh, the new Google home is coming out. Um, you know, you've got Josh UI. So there are a lot of things going on with voice control, but yes, it is viable. Yes, I'm selling it. Yes, my clients are loving it and it works flawlessly. What are you so integrating it with? RTI. They were the first one in the industry to have it. And there we go. <laughs> yeah. RTI. Um, the RTI interface is it's so smooth. Um, this year at Cedia Control 4 <clears throat> came out, and I think Crestron did as well. They weren't at Cedia, but I think Crestron has it as well. Um, native integration. So originally with Alexa, you had to say, Alexa, tell Lutron to turn my lights down in the living room. You know, but with native control, you don't have to tell Alexa what to look for. You just tell her what you want it to do. So with RTI back in July, um, uh, June, I think it was actually, they rolled out the Alexa integration where it's actually native in the, in the, in the system. Alexa sees your RTI processor as a device on the system, reads the macros and follows those as voice commands. But you still have to say, <laughs> sorry for usurping the interview, but I'm curious, I could listen to, uh, to these two all day, um, but do you still have to say, uh, like, turn on good night? Can you specifically say, turn the TV on to CNN? There are keywords. So yes, you can say, turn the TV on to CNN. You absolutely can. So um, you set up basically, you, you um, basically you tell the system what you want it to listen for. So the, the system is listening for it. So instead of saying, Alexa, what is the weather today? Alexa would be listening for you to say, Alexa, turn my TV on. Now you can make another command that says, Alexa, TV, CNN. And then Alexa would turn the TV on to CNN. So it listens to whatever your macro is. There are keywords that it keys off of, but your macro can say whatever you want it to say. It's going to key off of that first word. Now, obviously the, the native side of it makes it more effective for the, the end user because they don't know how the entire system works. They're not going to come in and say, Hey Alexa, tell my Lutron processor to turn this keypad to this, right? right? But how much, John, as we're looking at continuing to advance the integration of voice control, how much of it comes down to the integrator knowing their end user versus the integrator training the end user how to, you know, say these types of commands in verbiage that makes sense to them? but that is easy for the, the control processor to understand. Well, I think that's really huge. I mean, it, it, like Stephen was saying, it will respond to what you say. If you are off by one word, it's not gonna work. Um, and I have Alexa in my house and, you know, half the time I'll say turn on the living room lights, but it won't do it because we name them family room lights in programming. 
Um, so, so you're just a bad programmer. I'm well, I'm a bad talker. <laughs> um, and so, you know, for we we just finished a, a big pre-wire, and the customer had these high hopes of using entirely voice control for himself and all of his guests and all of his renters. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to temper that back to you know, this is what it's going to do. I mean, I think ultimately we'll get there and I, I think it will get to where it can even be like location based, where if I'm in the living room and I say, turn the TV on, it will know that I'm in the living room TV. And if I'm in the bedroom, it will know when I say, turn the TV on, it will know the, the bedroom TV. But right now you have to be very specific in, you know, Alexa, turn on family room TV um, or, or whatever. Um, I've had it, um, we have a control force system in our home and I've had it since a, a couple weeks before Cedia and have had a chance to, to play with it quite a bit. And I find that I'm constantly thinking of new things I'd like it to do, um, but, but almost on a daily basis, we have a dinner time scene that drops the lights, drops the shades, and puts on music that we like to have at dinner. And I have a movie time scene, again, drops the lights, drops the shades, turns on my projector, drops the screen, turns on the kaleidoscape, you know, all while you're walking in from the kitchen. Um, in our showroom recently, we just installed kind of an Alexa experience center. And I uh, put a little um, plaque sitting up by where we want to have people would say, you know, tell Alexa the following things. And so it's a much more successful demo because they're not wondering what to see and what to ask. They have scripted things to say. And I think that that's kind of how it will be for a little while is the integrator will, will ask people, what would you like to have it do and, and how would you like to to make this happen. One of the things that, that, that I'm running up against is with music, if you just tell Alexa to play a certain music, it wants to play it from its internal speaker. So like making it play music through a uh, housewide audio system, you have to find the right way to say it where it's not trying to play it out of its you know, built-in speaker. But I think it's that's, just- That's what they're working on now with Sonos is to try to get that um, integration more seamless for audio. And that's it's just minor growing pains right now. But I mean, the voice is going to be huge. And one of the reasons why it's going to be so huge is you, you now have a device that will do it for $50. So like Stephen was saying, you give it to every one of your customers, give them three, four of them. And once they get a taste of it with like one light, two lights, they're going to want to be able to do everything. And that's where it's going to be such a win for us. Yeah, so, if you don't, uh, one of the things that I found is Sometimes you can't just go to your client and say, hey, I would love for you to have this feature. You know, clients love the fact when you actually participate in their system. When you say, hey, I'm going to give you this Alexa, and if you like it, I'd love to program it with your system. So if you've got a client that's spent, you know, fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 with you, what is it to throw in one Alexa and some voice control, just some simple voice control, and then later if they want to add more features, they can come back. But to, to do that for your clients, now you're actively involved in their advancement in technology. So the next time something comes out and you want to recommend it, now you're the expert. So that I say this all the time, and it's really critical, and I preach it to people that go through my mentoring program, and I preach it to everyone. You have to be the expert. You have to. And if you can do that, if you can be the guy who knows everything that's going on, you can be the guy who's involved or the guy who knows where to look if he doesn't have the answer. That's what you want to be to your clients. And, and so the voice control is just the next. It's not only just a new thing we do. I mean, it's really, in my opinion, 
the voice control is the next greatest leap in the technology in our field. Very good. Now, Julie, not moving on, but in addition to, to you know, voice control, you just recently wrote an article on the 28th about Google Home and how they're bringing their own version of this to to the home and you know arguably going after the echo how much is their uh ecosystem going to run up against alexa versus how much will it or how quickly will it surpass alexa due to the the products they already have available well i think it's definitely going to be some great competition first of all when i um back on, on the voice control in general um, you know, when I talk to dealers, the, the ones that are negative about voice control don't have an echo at home. I mean, that's the reality of it. I'll do a presentation, ask dealers how many of them uh, are, are bullish on voice control. And the one they raise their hands and I say, how many of you are the ones that are, are don't like voice control? I say, how many of you? don't have an echo. I mean, there's, they, they simply don't have it at home. You know, we don't, I don't listen to music much. I never have because I don't care about it all that much, but having a, a echo now, um, just in passing, maybe I want to just listen to NPR. Um, those 10 minutes a week I do dishes, you know, it's just in and out. Alexa play NPR and it's, it's great, but, um, oh great. My Alexa just lit up. So it's going to start talking to me. <laughs> um, Google Home, it's interesting. The the ecosystem that's being wrapped around it is mm -hmm. pretty expansive. And, and you start just at the very basics with uh, many, many years of analytics from Google search engines. And they've got um, the analytics to really make voice control work uh, no matter how you talk to a machine. And you can perform different queries and you can add you can have multiple layers of a conversation. Turn on the lights. Which lights? The kitchen lights. Okay. Um, so you can actually have a conversation to get exactly what you want. Um, so even with that alone, I think Google has the edge. But now that they have a, um, a router, the OnHub router uh, with the technology built in, uh, soon they'll come out with their Google Wi-Fi, which is a mesh networking solution like Eero. And all, and of course, the whole Nest portfolio of, mm -hmm. of smart devices. And you add all that together, and it is a pretty compelling ecosystem. I don't know that anyone in the near future can really match that. Now, what I think will be interesting will be when they include the ability to connect with their WebOS systems that's pre-built into many of the smart TVs. Because right now that seems to be the one sticking point is if I'm talking to Google Cast, I'm saying, hey, you know, turn my TV to C CNN or something. It needs to find a way to do that. Um, but it's interesting to see where it's going. John, do you guys anticipate testing this and playing with this soon or are you going to tie yourself to the Amazon Echo? Um, I don't. I don't know, honestly. I mean, to us, the Amazon is a really cost-effective portal to uh, the automation systems that we're selling. Um, not so much as lifestyle butler, you know, turn, you know, 
so I, I'm not sure for us right now, Amazon is doing everything that we want it to do. Um, I guess I'd have to just see how it becomes, you know, what plays out. Ideally, it would be that they would both work as just a microphone to get you into whatever, you know, bigger interface that you had. You know, Julie said that a lot of integrators weren't interested in it. And I would say that was totally where I stood on the fence until they started playing with these bigger automation companies. I had no interest in listening to music through Alexa. I've got a way better home audio system. I had no interest in controlling um, Hue light bulbs. I have a Lutron light system. So once it started playing with real world automation stuff, then it became interesting to me. I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't looking for a $200 toy, um, but a $200 thing that could do a, a lot of interfacing with this other stuff that I own and that I'm installing, that makes it way more interesting. You know, the interesting thing about Google Home is it appears that it's uh, much more integration friendly natively than Amazon Alexa is. Um, we have one already, uh, a Control 4 driver. Their IFT engine is really robust, so you can communicate natively with third-party control systems like you can't currently do with Echo. Um, for example, uh, you know, turn motorized shades or open motorized shades to 60%, which you don't ha wouldn't have to program into a system. It just grabs the keywords from your control system and implements the action so you don't have to launch a macro to get motorized shades to 50 percent it just does now just to pull the panel um how many of you are intrigued versus excited for a potential push by apple into this with their home kit don't do it <laughs> could not possibly care less <laughs> Alexa and Google are cross-platform. The last thing I want is Apple having control over another part of my home because they don't play well with others. They don't care about other people. Uh, one of their actual head of North American training is one of my clients, and even she'll tell you. I asked her what they thought about the Google Home piece, and she said they don't care. Like they they literally don't consider anyone else competition, and they don't consider anyone when they design a product. And they're not ashamed about it. So if Alexa works with Apple and the Google Home product will work with Apple, the last thing I'm going to do, because every time Apple puts out an iOS update, it breaks our control system. We have to go in and make modifications. So now we have to Sounds worry like about AT that. Sounds like AT&T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't get, oh, Lord. So, um, so what I would, I want a company like, and, and this is where I differ a little bit. Google is awesome, but I like the fact that Amazon has to integrate. They have to listen to their clients because they don't have the backing that Google does. So if Google decided, you know what, we're going to do this our way. We really don't care what you think. They could do it just like Apple does. But if Amazon did that, then they risk losing their market share. So I, I could not, and it's not anti-Apple. Listen, I make a lot of money off of Apple products, a lot of money. So I'm not anti-Apple, but what I am saying is the way we use the products and the way we integrate the products, the last thing I want to do is take a chance of my client. Now their iPhone is not working right with the system for a couple of weeks till we can reset the processor. Now their voice control is down. Now everything's down. 
you know, that's that's not what I'm interested in. John? <laughs> At the risk of following that. Um, well, what's interesting about Apple is I know, um, gosh, maybe it was a, a year ago, I contacted Control 4 and Crestron and asked them the usage differences between iOS and Android on their, you know, third, on their control apps. And both of them were like 90% iOS. iOS, yeah. Um, and so the majority of our customers, the people that are using these things, are using iOS devices. So I think that anytime you can throw a broader net, it's potential to, to you know, bring in more business. So I'm certainly pro that. Um, obviously, if it comes with the headaches of, of something breaking all the time, that's not as good. You would hope that they could come out with something that would have the reliability and the robustness of, you know, the Amazon or the Google Home. I have an iPhone. I mean, it would be great if I could pull that out of my pocket and control my whole house with Siri if I wasn't near, you know, an, an Echo speaker. Though at $50, that becomes less of an issue. So I, my, my only thing would be such a high percentage of people seem to be using iOS devices that also want our integration systems, that could only be a good thing, I think, in a lot of ways, if they would if they would come and decide to play nice. Well, that's the, see, and there's the magic word. That's, that is what gets me every time is, I would love for Apple to do it. I would, I think it's great. And you're right, I mean, very few of my clients are using the Google devices. Um, I think Pixel may change that but that's my opinion. However, Apple doesn't play well with others. You know, Apple is the Bose of cell phones. You know, it, it, it works great on its own in its own ecosystem, but as soon as you try to stretch it out to another system, it just doesn't play well. If they would play well with others, I would eat it up. And so I think that you hit on it, you hit the nail right on the head. So just to clarify, you're saying the iPhone doesn't have any base. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Very nice. <laughs> or travel really. The non-audio person among us was a little delayed response. <laughs> Julie, I'll give you the last word on that. Oh, you know, all I can do uh, with make predictions with, with regard to that is, you know, that's what dealers said about Sonos. Doesn't play nice with others. I'll never use it. I'll never fly. And, you know, and look where Sonos is today. Very good. And I like that that dead on impression of Steven. That was perfect. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. I'm one of those that said I won't use Sonos. And the total honest truth is, is I don't. Um, I sell MusicCast or Heos because it integrates. Everything in my systems has to integrate. My, my thermostats, my irrigation control, everything integrates. So I'm not a Sonos guy. Um, my client, some of my clients have it standalone, but you're right, Julie, you, you nailed it. And I'm one of those guys. So because I do integration exclusively, I sell music cast and heos. So, um, but you, I mean, you, you really, you couldn't have done anything more to basically call out my opinion than you did just there. <laughs> that is, I'm that guy. Well, I, my, my, my point was, you know, I would have had much, a much better case if you would have said, yeah, you're right. 
I use Sonos, <laughs> I use Sonos all the time. So, and I only wish uh, John would have made your comment so I could have said, John, you ignorant slut. <laughs> Well, no, Dude, no, we've no. been a Sonos gold dealer for years, so I'm on board. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, on that note, uh, thank you guys for being here. John, where can people connect with you? Uh, probably the easiest would be on Twitter. Um, at my last name tweets. So at Siaka tweets is probably the easiest. Very good. Steven, thanks for being here again. Where can people find you? Uh, send you, you hate mail. Me. What's that? And send you hate mail. Send me hate mail. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you can find me at uh, ProAudio underscore GA on Twitter. Um, ProAudioGeorgia.com is the website. I'm all over the place. So I'm uh, pretty much anywhere you look. If you type in ProAudio or ProAudio GA, you probably find me there. Beautiful. And Julie, last but not least, where can people find you? Well, you can send hate mail to Siaka Tweets. <laughs> yep. Siaka. I forward it on to Julie, everyone. <laughs> uh, you can send all your flattering messages to at Julie Jacobson on Twitter with an S-O-N. Uh, you can find us on CEPro.com. And I just got to say, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I, uh, I could just listen to the dealers all day long. So thanks for that enlightenment. Oh, thank you for being here. We, we appreciate you having you here. Even John, mm -hmm. that's so kind of you to make a you know an exception for him, <laughs> like an asterisk at the end. Yeah. Right, asterisk and John. <laughs> Julie, you should, just, you should just feel privileged that John remembers who you are every year. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D Scott on Twitter and every other social platform for the most part. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows that cover all the other verticals that we cover in this lovely AV industry that we're all a part of. When you visit the site, please make sure you stop by and check out our underwriters. We're extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out and uh, support them as well. Thank you for watching and uh, for joining us on this episode of Resi Week. Oh, yeah.